the desert wind is a raider, this is the Silver and Black Today podcast. The latest in Raiders news, views, and interviews from the home of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Check out the only independent news source covering the Raiders based in Las Vegas. And now your host, Scott Goldbranson. Welcome back, Raider Nation. Thanks for being back with me. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. Had a big move in between. You know, when you're moving your family and you're living in a hotel for a while and then you get a new house, but you can't move into that house till November and you got to live in an apartment. So it's been it's been a bit a little crazy on my end, uh, but I'm I'm so glad to be back with you guys talking about not off-season junk, not off-season, um, you know, hey, uh, what's going to happen? Who's going to get traded? And I know there's a little bit of fun of that for, for you folks and draft Knicks who really get excited about the draft, which I get excited about the draft too. But the, the best thing to do um, is to get back to talking about the actual game, football. Yeah, football. Football season in the NFL uh, is just around the corner. The Raiders are in camp. You've been watching the coverage, I'm sure, right? You've been reading about the coverage on VegasSportsToday.com, the only independent uh, news site in Las Vegas that is covering the Raiders and covering camp like we are. We also cover all Las Vegas sports, including the Golden Knights, who've been very active the last couple days as the NHL offseason has heated up. And, of course, they traded uh, they traded my guy. I don't really talk too much about my fandom because when I'm talking football, I don't talk as a fan. I talk as someone who's objectively trying to talk and, and report about the Raiders. But when it comes to Vegas Golden Knight Hockey, which now we cover on the website, I used to not do that when it was just a Raiders website, uh, but I'm a fan, right? And m- my guy is Marc-Andre Fleury, who they have just traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. Really sad day for the folks of Las Vegas because Marc-Andre Fleury was more than just a great player. And yes, it's a business. Players move all the time. Raider fans know this. You know this with uh, Khalil Mack. You know this going back to some of the greats like Marcus Allen and all of these guys who've come through Oakland and now Las Vegas. It's tough to say goodbye. Marc-Andre Fleury, though, because of the 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 um, the events of the 1st of October uh, back in 2017, that was a whole different thing, and he was there for that community. There's a much more deep philosophical and emotional link to the player. Uh, especially as an expansion team starting out, and he was the first big name. And so very difficult week for folks in Las Vegas. But the good news is the Raiders are in camp. There's some excitement around this Raider team and what's going on, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But again, make sure you check out VegasSportsToday.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at VegasSports, the number two day right on Twitter. Do that. Also follow our Facebook page. We have a lot of great stuff there. A lot of great discussion going on. Make sure our, our Raiders coverage. We have five writers, five writers just on the Raiders, not only me. Uh, and I don't have as much time to write as I used to. So I'm still writing, but just not as much, but our editor in chief, Kirk Kern, here's a guy with AP experience covered sports. San Diego Union Tribune, AP in Las Vegas, covered UNLV basketball, football. He's done it all, and he is our lead game writer and uh, lead editor around the Raiders. We also have Brevin Honda, young writer just out of college who's writing for us. Of course, Noah Strang, who writes our hockey coverage, but Noah's a Raider guy too, so he also covers the Raider team like he did last year. So we have uh, all those guys as well as Tom Viola, who does our eSports, but Tom's going to write football. We are not... We Listen, this isn't just one of us or two of us 
pumping out some Raider content. We have a full staff now. Other sites in Las Vegas who are trying to do something similar, they just copy us. And that's totally cool. I don't have any problem with people copying us because that means we're doing a good job. So if you want your Raider coverage, make sure you check it out. I know all of you used to come to silverandblacktoday.com, and I appreciate that. Uh, but that coverage is all now on vegasportstoday.com, so do that. Also, a quick note, and this is what they call in the business a tease. Big news about this podcast and this show coming up uh, in the next week or so. Uh, some, some big changes. Uh, I'm going to have a co-host, a new co-host. By the way, speaking of co-hosts, I want to say and, and give a big shout out and a big congratulations to my man Q Myers. Of course, as you all know, Q is now in our old time slot from 2 to 4 over on Raider Nation Radio in Las Vegas. But he also is the program director overseeing four sports stations with Lotus Broadcasting, the wonderful people over at Lotus who were so good to me. I gave me that opportunity to do that daily show, which I had to walk away from, but nonetheless, always Always appreciative of them, always family to me, and I just want to give a great big shout out to Q because, you know, when good things happen to good people, man, you can always feel good about it. No one works harder, and I appreciate that and want to congratulate him for that. But we're going to have big news here as well, including my new co-host, which all of you guys know, and uh, or at least most of you know this person. So we're going to announce that uh, either next week, uh, yeah, definitely next week, so you'll see a big announcement about that, as well as the future of the podcast and the show because there are some big changes coming up uh and we're gonna we're really excited about it i'm just over the moon it just kills me not to tell you right now but make sure you listen make sure you watch vegasportstoday.com uh, as well as some other media outlets because it will be some news and we'll have it out there anyway but we're back we're talking raider football i hope you guys are all doing well the infighting in raider nation i guess this happens in every fan base really continues over things <laughs> now covid it's remarkable to me, hey guys, I just have to go on a quick aside, with the COVID stuff. Like, I'm vaccinated. I don't mind saying that. I'm not virtue signaling like some people do with their vaccination. I don't wear stickers. I don't wear T-shirts. I don't go nuts on people who say they don't want to get vaccinated. I, it's your business. It's like voting. It's your business. You do what you want. You do what you think is right. Okay? But the infighting with people who believe in the shot, don't believe in the shot, and then they bring it into football – it's really interesting to watch. But nonetheless, as you know, the NFL is going, to heavy le- is going to levy heavy fines against teams and players, including up to forfeiture of games for people who test positive if they have not been vaccinated and then cost the league money. Let's face it. It's all about money. It's all about TV. It's less about health. I don't care what you say. The NFL is doing it. You can make it sound like you're doing it to make sure everybody gets vaccinated. But at the end of the day, they just don't want disruption of the money machine. Okay, so anyway, that's been a story out there. But more than that, we rolled into camp. You can get daily camp updates up on VegasSportsToday.com from Noah Strang and the rest of us. We'll be putting up a note there every day of what's happening in camp. Uh, and, of course, camp started with the, the, the quintessential John Gruden press conference, uh, the head coach leading off and talking about what he expects going into camp, where we all ask him questions. Some of them, a lot of them were COVID-related. Definitely news, and I think worthy of asking. I just thought there were many, there was probably too many of them. But nonetheless, we, we were able to, to to speak to Coach Gruden, and the media was able to speak to him. And um, I want to bring you some of the clips of what he said in case you missed it and shortened it up if you didn't listen to the whole press conference. But one of the things that, that the Raiders, I think, have a lot to answer for this year, I think there's, there's a lot of reason 
to be upbeat about the Raiders season. They made they made improvements in certain areas. They lost great players in other areas, like on the offensive line. Uh, so there's some question marks, right? But I think there's a lot to be excited about. But then there's also a lot of questions. And one of the biggest questions to me, and I think to all of you, is can these young players make the jump that they need to in order to uh, take that next step, right? And if, if that's the case, then this team has a lot uh, greater um, a greater uh, opportunity to be successful. Um, and um, that, to me, is one of the biggest questions heading into the season. Can Jonathan Abram come along? Can Trayvon Mullen come along? Can Josh Jacobs stay on the field for the entire season? All right. Um, those types of questions. Can Henry Ruggs develop? I mean, he got big in the offseason. You've seen the pictures. He looks phenomenal. Can he make that next jump from year one to year two where he's much more of a weapon that's involved um, with with this team? And um, if that's the case, then, man, the Raiders on offense, same on defense. Can Jonathan Abram play that that box safety, which he's more naturally fitted for? Um, then, then, then we we're in a better position, right? If you're a Raider fan, you you can say, hey, look, if these young guys make the step they're supposed to, then this team should com- should should compete for the playoffs. Now, later in the show, our guest. Austin Gale, who's the director of content over at Pro Football Focus, grew up in Oakland as a Raider fan, by the way. He's going to be on with us. We're going to talk to him about the Raiders' changes on offense, on defense, the rankings that PFF gave them going into training camp, uh, as well as get his take on John Gruden, the coach, John Gruden, the personnel manager, and where they are after four years. So that's coming up after the first break. But let's get into talking about what John Gruden said um, about this team. So that question about can these young players come in and what is the expectation of young players coming into the Raider organization coming to the NFL here's what Gruden said to uh, be ready to go from the time they step in here and a lot of them have done that Colton Miller's done a great job we've had a lot of rookies come in here and start we're still waiting I think to uh, get the dividends from some of these guys but it's been a challenge without an offseason program I don't think the story's written on some of these guys yet but to answer your question uh, we're demanding of our rookies uh, just because you get drafted in the first round or any round doesn't mean you're going to make the team or be a great player. There's no um, there's no guarantees in this league, as you know, but um, we're pleased with our young people from the last few draft classes, and we're confident that they'll prove that this fall. Okay, so he says he's pleased. Um, I don't know if I buy that because I don't think the Raiders have gotten everything they need to get out of their young players. Again, just like he said, though, I do agree with Coach Gruden here. The, the page is not written yet. These guys, Just because Henry Ruggs struggled at times last year and he was underutilized in the offense does not mean he's a bust. Does not mean he's a bust. Cleland Furl, is he a bust? I don't think so. Is he the player they thought he was, how high they drafted him? Probably not. That doesn't mean he's going to not be a good player or that he isn't a good player, okay? But... I also hear, you know, I, I get this contradictory statements from Gruden, I think, in press conferences a lot where uh, I don't want to make excuses, but look, they've had no offseason you know, workouts last year, this year. Well, neither did any of the other rookies in the NFL, and some of them had phenomenal years. So I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt a rookie not to have the full offseason program, because I think it does. But if you drafted the right guy high and they're able to come in and be an impact player right away, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? So, so I, I don't disagree with Coach Gruden there, and I think he's being genuine. I don't, I don't mean to dis- cast any dispersions there because that's not what I'm trying to do. 
I'm just saying that they need to see more. If there's a lot of expectations, boy, I think fans and analysts out there who cover the team and cover the league, their expectations of Gruden and his young players are even higher than probably his own. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just the way I see it. So that's it. But, of course, one of the areas media talked to Gruden about was the defense, right? So, so much was put upon how bad this defense was last year, how bad this defense hurt this team last year, especially they had the win streak and then they had the second and season in a row where they had a significant fall half in the second half of the year, hurting their playoff chances, knocking them out of having uh, a winning season, right? So that defense, what's different about it? They asked Gruden about having Gus Bradley there. What's the mood? Because back, you remember, when they released and fired Paul Gunther, uh, Gruden said, hey, we just need, we need a new attitude. We need a new, not an attitude. He said, we need a, a, a new environment. We need somebody to come in here and just change things up, right? So so that's what he talked about. He was asked about that, about Gus Bradley, uh, and he even mentioned Paul Gunther. Here's what Gruden said about the Raiders' retooled defense. Disrespect to Paul, but we have a completely group, of, uh, different group of players, too. Uh, but Gus is, uh, he's a high energy coach. Uh, he's upbeat, positive. He's philosophical. He's fun to be around. He makes you laugh, but he also pushes you. And I think what's going to make this defense go is, is, is how we rush the passer, how it goes up front. And Yannick is a difference maker. I mean, I feel him uh, every time I see him on the grass. And Max is on the rise. I think another young player. Um, really impressed with Kuntz. Uh, Malcolm Kuntz has made an impression, and um, if we can improve up front, uh, I think uh, this defense will be much improved. Yeah, if they can improve up front, they have to improve up front. The front, uh, the front of this defense has been awful, and that's that's hurt those young defensive backs too. Some of who were playing out of position in the old scheme. Okay, so not only do they need to get better, um, um, they have to get better. I think for this team to have any chance of sniffing the playoffs. And I think Gruden hit on that. I think the scheme will help. I think having Ngakwe there is going to help. Can Max Crosby take that next step? We're going to ask that of our guest, Austin Gale from PFF after the break. Um, and I think he can. I know how much Raider Nation loves Max Crosby. Max Crosby's a hell of a guy. He's a hell of a player. But if he's going to be a big difference maker on that edge, uh, then having Ngakwe on the other side, having him there, having a little bit more on the interior, I think. although I think the interior uh, is still a lot of question mark. Quentin Jefferson is there. Solomon Thomas is there now. So we'll have to see how that works out. But, but I, I, I do feel that, at least from a culture standpoint, you know, it's not Hotel Raiders anymore, or Resort Raiders, when it comes to defense. Gus Bradley's an intense guy. He's an intense guy who gets everything he can out of players without uh, kind of um, um, turning them off. So we'll have to see how that works out. But clearly, Gruden thinks is there. Also, the linebacking core. Are we going to see Corey Littleton return to form for, to where he was with the Rams. Uh, obviously, didn't have a great year. The offseason, no offseason, did hurt him switching systems. And then you had Paul Gunther's system, which had way too much complexity to it. And Corey Littleton just didn't have the year. Uh, and he said that at the end of the season at the press conference, right, that he just wasn't the year he wanted. And we all know because we watched. But I believe, and I've said this all along, you can go back and listen to the archives. I think Corey Littleton's going to bounce back in spades this year. He's going to have a great year. Then you have, of course, Nick Witkowski, who has been a solid, 
template player. He's not going to be the guy who's going to be the poster boy. He's not going to be the guy who's going to be an all-pro, but he is a solid linebacker. And then Nicholas Morrow, the continued ascension of Nicholas Morrow. Here is a guy from a small college. Here is a guy who came out of nowhere and made this Raider squad in, in 2017, and every year has improved. He got more playing time last year. He got 62 tackles, three sacks last year in limited play when he did have a chance, uh, including that big game against Denver at the end of the season. So Morrow is a guy that John Gruden really likes, and he talks about now. Sometimes John Gruden also said the other day that he really loves Zay Jones, and Zay Jones is a great player, but the number of snaps Zay Jones has played compared to how John Gruden talks about him don't jive, so I don't believe it. But nonetheless, um, here's what Gruden said about Morrow, and he even thinks Morrow could take on a more significant role in the middle of that defense. He's one of my uh, most, uh, um, I guess, he might be one of my favorite players. This is his time. You know, if you know anything about Morrow, uh, you have to tell me where he went to college where exactly that is. He comes from a very obscure background. Uh, if you watched him play college football, he was returning kickoffs. Uh, he was playing all over the place. He comes to the Raiders. He makes it as a rookie. He finds a way to get on the field. And now he's got a chance, I think, to be a captain for us. I think he's got a chance to be a different difference maker for us in the middle of our defense. But um, time will tell. We've got a long way to go. but. Uh, I really like him. He's had a great spring, and um, I think he's on the rise. I think his time is right now. Yeah, and I would agree with Gruden on that. I think Nicholas Morrow has really uh, turned into a fine player. Again, is he going to be an all-pro linebacker, even a Pro Bowl guy? No. But that's not what you need out of him. You just need him to be a really good, solid player. And for a kid who came out of a small college, he has really taken advantage of the opportunity. And every year he's worked hard. Every year he's contributed when he's been asked to. And not only that, but his skill set just keeps getting better. And I think that that's significant. And I think Nick Morrow is going to be a guy that this team will count on. And Corey Littleton, Nick Witkowski, those guys uh, are going to love having him there. And I know they already do. But I like that linebacker room. I think that linebacker core for the Raiders, while they could use another um, uh, impact player, I think, um, to me, having what they have, they're a good middle of the road to, to upper 15, 14 um linebacking core in this league and and to me that's where you want your defense to be if you can get your defense middle of the road with the offense clicking like it did last year for most of the year then you can be a playoff team and I think that that linebacking core really helps that and here's Nick Morrow too he he talked to the media yesterday uh and and was asked about this role and his ascension and what he's been able to do as a member of the silver and black yeah I mean coming back to to the Raiders we signed with him um the big thing was just having a having a relationship with the guys in the room, having a relationship with the team, um, growing that bond through ups and downs. And I think that's more important that I feel like a lot of us should consider as players is going somewhere where we can grow together, right? It's always cool to be a part of something that's already been established, but when you have the chance to grow it and you're in the muck with it and you, you know what I'm saying, you're fighting for it, it means a lot to you. And so this organization means a lot to me. Coach Gruden means a lot to me. The team means a lot to me. Um, and that's the biggest reason why I wanted to be signed here because I, I, the, the bond that I've grown with the players and coaches uh, mean a lot to me. There you go. And that man, I love hearing stuff like that from a player because you know what? That is a team first guy. That is the guy that is so important. I don't care if he's not the starter. He is a team first guy. He is a leader on the field when he gets the opportunity. Okay. He takes advantage and he's a leader in the locker room. Again, 
Corey Littleton might be the, the, the lead dog in that linebacker room, but boy, Nick Morrow has turned into a fine young man, a fine leader on this Raiders defense, and I can see why John Gruden uh, wholeheartedly likes the guy and even mentioned the fact that he could be a captain this year. That's pretty amazing for a guy coming out of a small college, so you like that. The other issue I talked about was with Gruden, and we'll close on Gruden and hear from Derek Carr and Andre James in just a second, is about this whole COVID thing, right? So the COVID thing continues, as you may or may not know, in Nevada, uh, they're going back to a mask mandate this weekend. Yes, a mask mandate because they've had a spike. And nobody's talking about it yet. Maybe I'm the first one to mention I don't mean to curse anything. But you know, if it continues in Nevada, they're going back to masks. I know it's July 30th is the date. You're only a month, uh, less than a month away from a preseason game in Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, I hate to say it, Raider Nation. Is there going to be full stands again if this thing continues to go how it is in Nevada? And Nevada's governor, notorious for following basically what California does, and California hasn't said that they're not going to have full stadiums or any of that. But my point is, you got to keep an eye on it. But the Raiders, I know, after really slipping up a lot last year, I was very critical of the organization last year on COVID before they kind of got it set away. Um, a lot of the media, I don't know, there's like four or five questions about COVID. And of course, as I mentioned to Tom, to the top of the show that they're, the NFL and teams are now going to be fined significantly up to forfeiting games for positive COVID tests and if people are not vaccinated. So uh, the media, the first question Gruden was asked about COVID and kind of how he's going and how what the team's doing to mitigate it and follow the new protocols, um, Gruden talked about it begrudgingly uh, but was very open about where they are with vaccinations and, and if they have any holdouts. You know, I've never really given statistics on COVID vaccinations, but I would say that we have every man vaccinated on the staff. I could also say that I believe we have every man vaccinated on the team with the exception of about four or five guys. So we're proud of that. We're excited about that. We're also respectful of everybody's personal opinion. So we have to weigh that as well. But um, when it comes to vaccinations, we think most of our, our people have been just that vaccinated. Well, there you go. So, so his report is that the Raiders are in good shape. Four or five guys, and that's the one thing I'll say too is there's there's a lot of folks, a lot of people that I respect and like out there saying these guys got to get vaccinated. You know, f you, get vaccinated because you know you can't have an. Listen, people's decision about their health care is their decision. Yes, it may cost them an opportunity to play this year. Okay, just like some people who opted out last year. So I don't like to get into vaccine shaming. If somebody's got a problem with it, they got a problem with it. Like I said, I have I've taken it, but not everybody's comfortable taking it. So that's the way it goes. So if that's the way it goes, um, and the Raiders only have four or five guys now, if <laughs> if it's four or five significant guys, then they might be in trouble. But nonetheless, I think that hearing where the Raiders are with that situation uh, and and where their status is was a good update by Gruden there for everybody to kind of get a sense for it and put it behind them. All right. Then, uh, today we also heard from Derek Carr, uh, as well as a slew of other players. What I want to bring you is uh, Derek Carr talking about um, his play last year. Of course, Derek Carr had a great 2020, if you look at it statistically, and what he was able to do. I think he deserves significant credit for being more aggressive. 
Okay. Yes, it led to some turnovers here and there. But at the end of the day, I think we saw Derek Carr. Remember, going into 2020, one of the things we said is he's got to do more with his feet. In fact, Q and I on the show, we talked about it preseason last year on Raider Nation Radio. We said he's got to do more with his feet. Lincoln Kennedy said he didn't think he could, but he did. He tried to do more, and I think he was more successful at it. And if you take a statistical year, he had a great year. If you take wins and losses, which to me is the bigger deal, it was a, a mixed year. Okay. But they asked Derek Carr today about his more aggressive approach and why he was able to do it last year and if he's going to do it this year. And here's why he said it was able to happen and why it continues. You know, one, one, you got to have the personnel to do it. And that doesn't just mean receivers. And that means up front, too. Um, you know, as Coach Gruden will say, he wants completions. You know, I don't care what they are, I want completions. You know, and that's true. I mean, that's when I wake up, I'm thinking his voice, completions, you know. And so now that, um, you know, last year we brought Nelly in, we drafted Henry, uh, say he can fly. You know, we got guys that can go Waller, obviously, we know that. Um, and then the O line. And there's a certain time to. You know, I know based on our relationship now, it's, we're going on four years, so I know when he calls a certain play and when he calls the certain play, what he what he's expecting, where he expects that ball to go versus certain coverages. Um, so early on it was hard, but now it's easy. I can't say it's easy. It's nothing in this game that's easy, but it's, it's easier because I know what's expected. Uh, I know what he wants, and I've told you guys a hundred times, I'm just trying to do exactly what he wants, you know, every single time. I don't do it perfect every time, but... That fine line of, you know, if, if he expects the ball to go there, then now he expects the receiver to make that play or win, you know. And uh, and like he'll say, you know, if, if he can't win, we'll find another guy that can. You know, if, if you can't throw it there, we'll find another guy that can throw it there. You know, that's just how coach coaches. And uh, and so the demand is there and the knowing of, of the offense and what he wants. You know, again, you know, uh, offenses I've been in in the past are like this, you know, with Coach Gruden. It hasn't stopped yet, you know. And we're in four years. We're still adding, you know, and we're still going. We're still pushing that that envelope. So uh, having an understanding of what he wants and what's expected helps that, I think. Um, and 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 two, uh, you know, another thing I learned watching because because I was, you know, we had the guys and we were letting them go and we were calling those things to send it deep. You know, one thing I did is holding the ball too long and fumbling, right? And watching and studying why. Why? Why was it on those plays, or why was it? Was I drifting in my drop? Was was it this or that? So uh, it, it was good to to have that film because now I think we'll be better at hopefully limiting turnovers on those plays. Well, there you go, and that's the big knock against Derek Carr, right? Is the fumbles? He's got to hold on to the ball, uh, and it's good to hear that. So, so they're clearly focused on that. All right, before we head to the break, one more uh, clip I want to play you. Of course, with Rodney Hudson now gone from the Raiders, I know that's a tough one for Raider Nation to swallow. Andre James steps in, and Andre James uh, met with the media as well. And here's a guy who's worked his way up and worked hard. He's played uh, at guard. He's played uh, outside a little bit, uh, even when he had to. Uh, but he's going to be asked to step in and take. Uh, control and take the lead. Now you have Nick Martin in camp too, who's going to compete there. But from all intents and purposes, Andre James will be the starting center. He started to to work with that. So here's Andre James talking about what Rodney Hudson meant to him, and then also on the back end of the clip talking about how he's developing a, a sense of rhythm and a connection with his quarterback Derek Carr. Rodney was, you know, arguably like you said, one of the best centers in the league. So every day I came in here, I just tried to get, you know, a little piece from him, a little information every day. And uh, that's just kind of the attack I still take on the day, just every day, just get a little better, just make, you know, just work on the little things, and it adds up over time, get a little better. So everything I learned for him, I'm still using today. I think uh, it's, it's super important. I think just every day in practice is, 
you know, anytime I get a snap from him or anytime we're just talking about meetings, it's it's super important. Uh, got a lot of off-season work with him, just going to the parks, just talking over different situations, just getting a feel for it. It's been it's been good. So uh, every time we get together, it's you know, always got to work on that chemistry. There you go. That chemistry is vital between the center and the quarterback, especially when it comes to that exchange. So we'll have to see. And since these guys won't play a lot at all, pretty much, in the preseason, uh, we'll have to watch that heading into week one. Okay, we're up against our first break, and our guest is coming up next. That is Austin Gale, Director of Content from Pro Football Focus. He'll talk about the Raiders, where he sees this team, where PFF ranks this team, and he'll also give his us his thoughts on the AFC West and where the Raiders are uh, when it comes to the division overall now and in the future. This is Silver and Black Today, brought to you, of course, by VegasSportsToday.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Silver and Black Today, and we are glad to be joined by our good friend Austin Gale, Director of Content from Pro Football Focus, been on the show many times. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at PFF underscore Austin Gale, that's with a Y. Also, make sure you go subscribe to the Two for One Drafts podcast. A great, great listen. Make sure you do that. All the stuff, I'm I'm a big fan of the PFF stuff. I know some Raider fans, Austin, uh, get mad when PFF ranks their team lower than they think it should be. But welcome back to the show. We appreciate you being with us today. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. All right, so let's jump into the Raiders. You know, we roll into camp this year. The Raiders did a lot in the offseason, right? I mean, some of it, some don't look at as very positive. I mean, you completely uh, wiped out that veteran offensive line, including uh, folks like Rodney Hudson at center. You've replaced them um, with folks like Alex uh, uh, Leatherwood, who drafted out of Alabama. Uh, But the focus was clearly on the defense first, Austin. And if you look at what the Raiders did up front, they signed Quentin Jefferson. Yannick Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas. Uh, but you guys still ranked, uh, I think, the defensive line at 26th in the league. Talk about what you think about what the Raiders did, because that defense is just more about it. It was terrible last year. It killed them. Uh, what do you like about what they did this year, and why is there so much uncertainty with the moves they made? Yeah, I, I do think that – I think you saw John Gruden bring it up in his you know press press conference yesterday or you know i think that was yesterday or today it's all blurring together training camp happening <laughs> so fast but uh you know there's a presence about unique and Gakwe, and i think he is a very solid pass rusher and has been in the nfl i called him you know one of the league's premier pass rushers i think the problem there is that he has even dating back to his maryland maryland days not been a good run defender um and then you have to think about too like max crosby as good as he's been you look at you know even cleveland pearl who's going to get kicked inside this year will not play outside on the edge will often be you know, on the inside, had a better pass rushing grade, according to PFF, than Max Crosby did. While the pressures have been there and the sacks have been there, he's very similar, in my opinion, to you know, somewhat of a Sam Hubbard in that like, mm. he's, a very, you know, he's a solid run defender, a solid piece for that defensive line. But again, where, where this defensive line lacks is that flash. They lack someone who's going to consistently you know, bring terror as a pass rusher. Can you not, Unique Ngakwe be that guy potentially? But he's going to have to do it with Max Crosby taking a significant step forward, Cleveland Furl taking a significant step forward. And obviously we, we weren't super understanding of the Maurice Hurst cut. We felt that mm. he was one of their better defensive linemen you know, uh, on the team last year. So moving on from him, I think that's going to be a struggle for them. And I think they also need kind of more beef on the interior. Obviously the Malik Collins defensive tackle signing did not pan out for them. He did not play well last year. Maurice Hurst losing him. I think there's a lot of concern there. And I think 
Rudin said it best that there's a lot of uncertainty across the board on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no doubt about it. And clearly, the Raiders couldn't muster a pass rush. And you talked about Max Crosby there. Now, Max Crosby has quickly become, and you know, you're from Oakland, so you know a lot. You follow the Raiders outside the professional realm as well. Is you know He's a fan favorite. People love him. Analysts love him because he's such a good guy. He overcame alcoholism early, obviously coming out of college. He also uh, has that high running motor. But last year, you know, he, he was easy to neutralize. What do you need to see from him this season to say, hey, you know what? He is the real deal. He is a guy who can be a difference maker on that defensive line. I mean, I think you have to see you know, more consistency and more efficiency as a pass rusher. You did not see him rank inside even the top 40, top 50 among edge defenders and PFF pass rush win rate this past year. He needs to be winning blocks, not just creating pressure through effort or pursuit and these different types of things. At PFF, we chart every pressure uniquely. Was it an outside pressure? Was it a win within the first 2.5 seconds? Was it on play action? Was it versus screen? A lot of that comes into play when not all pressures or sacks are created equal. How are you winning? Are you winning with true moves? Are you winning early in the snap? That all matters when you're factoring in PFF pass rushing grade. And honestly, it's one of the more stable things PFF charts or collect. You know, PFF pass rushing grade has a lot of stability year over year in the NFL and even college to the pros. If you're ranking highly in the power five against top flight competition as a pass rusher, it's oftentimes that you see that same success in the NFL. And Max Crosby, dating back to I think his Eastern Washington days, was, was an absolute stud as a pass rusher in college. A guy that I talked to in the pre-draft process, a guy that graded really well, has the athleticism to be a top flight edge rusher as a pass rusher. He's added weight. How has that affected you know, his get off and those things? I think consistency and efficiency as a pass rusher will be that next step for Max Crosby. And a lot of the times you do see these guys develop in year two, year three. So hopefully we do see that from Max. All right, let's move to the defensive backfield, Austin. And we this was another big problem for the Raiders last year, although they've spent significant draft capital in that area. You have them ranked coming into the into camp at 29th in the league. They signed Carl Joseph back for his second stint with the Raiders. They signed Razul Douglas, uh, and they drafted a guy I like, actually, out of TCU, Trayvon Morig. But then you have guys, of course, uh, like Damon Arnett, who they drafted a lot of people thought high uh, out of Ohio State. And then, of course, Jonathan Abram, the guy everybody wants to succeed, but he seems to not be able to stay on the field. He also seems to to perhaps not be able to uh, na- make that next step. What, hi, when you look at the defensive backfield and what the Raiders have done to make a little bit of change in the new scheme that Gus Bradley brings in after he comes over from the Chargers, when you look at that unit, um, where is the big question mark and who do you see maybe winning out when we come out of camp here? I, I do think that, you know, to, to restart this question, I do think that John Gruden said it with the safety position, yeah, it's unsolved. You know, Jonathan Abram has really struggled playing deep safety so far in his career. And even coming out of Mississippi State, PFF felt his best role was playing close to the line of scrimmage in the box. And he started to play on that game, play free safety, and let Jonathan Abram play close to the line of scrimmage. Obviously, taking more advantage of that hard-hitting ability and also limiting him from being that liability on big plays. As for the cornerback position, they have talent. But can they, can they consistently limit big plays? Damon Arnett is uber-talented. Trayvon Mullen, uber-talented. Anik Robertson out of Louisiana Tech, talented. Defense coordinator Paul Gunther maybe did not put them in the best position to succeed. They obviously moved on him for a reason. Bring in Gus Bradley. Can this defense, with the talent they have at corner, take that next step? And then you also factor in what you're hearing with Damon Arnett. Is he, is he off-field? Is he committed? He's one foot in the door, one foot out. A lot of people are talking about, where this guy fits in, and then you factor in the veteran, Casey Hayward. Is he going to get kicked into the slot? Does he play more outside corner? A lot of question marks every single, at every single area of the field, every single level of the defense, really. A lot of question marks for the Raiders that they have to solve in a hurry. 
Yeah, and one of the one of the areas that you had uh, the PFF ranked the linebacker core for the Raiders at number sixteen, and a guy that uh, John Gruden talked about, as you mentioned in the press conference that he had going into camp, he talked about Nicholas Mara. But of course, there's Corey Littleton there, there's Nick Kwiatkowski there, who they spent significant dollars on last year. What's the strength of that linebacking core, especially knowing what we're going to see from Gus Bradley's new scheme? That's another area where I feel you know, they have a ton of talent. You know, Corey Littleton, before he went to Las Vegas, was one of the most successful linebackers in coverage and even on rundown for the Los Angeles Rams. He signed a very monster contract with the Raiders and does not pan out. Nick Kwiatkowski played even out for him last year. Nicholas Morrow was stealing snaps from Corey Littleton. This group has a lot of talent. Can Gus Bradley, again, put them in a position to succeed? I think Littleton with the COVID-abbreviated offseason wasn't given full opportunity to really take this new playbook head on. He was thinking more on the field than he was reacting. This year, I do think, if you can bank on one thing, Littleton is going to have a much better season this upcoming year. I do think it's going to be a lot easier for him to adjust with the full offseason, with a new defensive coordinator, ideally putting his talents to good use. And then you factor in Kwiatkowski, Oro, this is a top 16 linebacking core in the NFL. This is something that could actually have no legitimate impact for this defense. It's all about now, again, schematically putting them in a position to speed, limiting their weaknesses on the football field and honestly highlighting the strengths of this unit. Yeah, and that's the, that's the question, right? This defense, so they, they knew they had to go out and do something. They made it the focus of the offseason. But I'm just not convinced, Austin. I know we got to wait through camp and see how things pan out and gets through um, the, the preseason, really, when those guys aren't even going to play. But once we get into the regular season, to see if that defense is good enough to put this team in a position to where they could be a legitimate uh, wild card contender in the A. FC. Now, switching to the offense, um, listen, seventh season, Derek Carr, and every offseason, we go through the dead period, and Derek Carr becomes the issue, and people want to talk about the Raiders making a trade for a quarterback of that, of course, never happens. It appears, again, that John Gruden, Mike Mayock, committed to Derek Carr. What is it about Derek Carr that every offseason, no matter what the guy does or doesn't do on the field, there's still some significant doubt on whether or not he's the guy who can take you to the next level? I mean, I think the issue with Derek Carr is, is very similar to kind of the issues we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared, Jared Goff. You know, mm. two quarterbacks that both went to Super Bowls with their coaches, but now have been moved on, you know, not moved on from, but obviously the San Francisco 49ers traded two first, first round picks to go up and get Trey Lance. But, you know, Los Angeles Rams traded two first round picks to go get Matthew Stafford. And that's not because Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, are awful quarterbacks. It's just they understand what the ceiling is with those quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff, the floor is is higher than some of the other quarterbacks in the NFL. Rod Taylor, um, Joe Flacco, Roger mm. Patrick, Drew Locke. There are lower floors in the NFL than what Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo are, but their ceilings are well understood. Can Jimmy or Jared Goff be top eight, top six quarterbacks in the NFL? Likely no, given what we've seen so far. And that's the biggest question with Derek Carr. Derek Carr, in my opinion, is a top 14, top 12 back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But am I confident in saying he's a top eight, top six quarterback? Probably not. And that's the issue. If you look at last year, the four quarterbacks that played in the NFC and AFC championship game, three of them were top four graded quarterbacks according to CFF. The other one was Deshaun Watson. We all know, you know kind of how that season went for him this past season, that roster and that you know, coaching staff, etc. That's where the Texans were. You need a top five, top six quarterback to consistently compete for Super Bowls in the NFL. Having faith for Derek Carr to make that jump in year eight is probably not easy. And I think that's a big reason why you see these trade rumors and you see John Gruden sniffing around trying to make an upgrade at that position. Gone are the days where you can have a quarterback that's QB8 to QB12 in the NFL 
and you can consistently compete in the playoffs and for a Super Bowl. You need the quarterback. You need a guy that can elevate your supporting cast and take and carry your team deep in the postseason. While Derek Carr is a good quarterback, I'd argue he's one of the best players on the team with Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Is he enough? Is he enough to take what is obviously a, a disastrous roster defensively and still putting the pieces together offensively, a rebuilt offensive line? Can he take this team deep in the postseason? I would argue no. There you go. So we look at that offense, Austin, and again, three consecutive years with late season fades and and lost in the the mess, I think, that is that was the defense, at least in 2020 and 2019, were those late season fades and that the offense towards the end of the year, um, and some of that can be attributed to the defense and the, fa- the, lack that they, the fact that they um, uh, can't stay on the field. But nonetheless, you look at the, the Raiders offense and what they've been able to do in the draft. They went out, they got Henry Ruggs last year. I thought he was underutilized. He needed did some work, obviously, with his route running uh, and some of the recognition he was seeing there. But you have the wide receiver core for the Raiders, ranked 27th overall at PFF. Do Does Derek Carr and do the Raiders and John Gruden, from a passing game perspective, we'll get to the running game in a second, but from a passing game perspective, including the great Darren Waller, do they have enough to consistently be an offense that can move the ball, score, and make up for the deficiencies they still will have on defense? I, I already know. I mean, Nelson Aguilar was the best receiver on this football team last year, not named Darren Waller. Obviously, Darren <laughs> Waller playing tight end, but he plays a lot of slot. He plays a lot on the outside. Darren Waller will be the best receiver on this football team, and that's saying a lot. He's a top three tight end in the NFL. I put him in that tier with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. After that, what does Henry Ruggs with 13 pounds added in a more physical approach to the offseason look like? We don't know. What does Brian Edwards, who was last year's training camp superstar, look like after not really playing at all this past year? Hunter Renfro is obviously not a true number one or even a true number two, just a chain mover in the slot. And then after that, there's still question marks. John Brown, Zay Jones, Willie Sneed, Marcel Aitman, Keelan Bach. Like what this receiving core is filled with a lot of questionable number two, number three, until we start to see one of these guys take the turn. Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs have a lot of pressure to live up to expectation in year two. Brian Edwards obviously less than Henry Ruggs, given that he was just a third-round pick. But still, the height, they're putting a lot of faith in young talent in Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards to lead this receiving core behind Darren Waller. Now, do I have faith that Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards have better seasons in 2021 than 2020? Absolutely. I think most rookies, if not all rookies, will have better seasons this year than last year, given obviously the COVID impact on the season. However, just how much better do they get this upcoming season um, and how, and how, how will that translate to wins? Yeah, great point. Now, when we look at the running game, of course, a John Gruden team you would expect uh, to have uh, some some studly running backs. And, of course, uh, with with the addition of Josh Jacobs, you also have Kenyon Drake, who was sort of a, a controversial signing for some. The, the fact that the Raiders spent the money on Kenyon Drake to pull him out of free agency after he played with the Cardinals uh, last two seasons. Uh, what is your view on that one? You have them ranked number eight at PFF. What do you like about that? Do you think that the Drake-Jacobs – um, tandem will help Jacobs ultimately stay on the field for the entire season, which he's not been able to do thus far in his career. I, I think so. I think it's a thing that they paid a lot for Kenyon Drake to come in and back up Josh Jacobs. I think at PFF, we obviously view running back contracts a little bit differently than you know the national narrative, but it was a lot of money to pay a backup running back. Right now, he's starting on the non-football injury list right now. You have to hope he sees the field sometime in training camp in the preseason to just see how he works. You know, you, see, you hear so often about what John Gruden wants to do with him, calling him the joker, using him as a receiver, using him in the backfield. We need to see that. You know, we, he mm-hmm. said the same thing obviously about the, the former Kentucky quarterback, Lynn Bowden Jr., who didn't even play a snap 
for the Raiders before being traded to the Miami Dolphins. So you want to see what Kenyon Drake looks like in this offense because I don't think it's going to be a traditional usage like an RB2 would be on another football team. And as for Josh Jacobs, injuries have been a concern. Obviously, it's been difficult for him to stay on the football field, but I do think that he is one of the better running backs in the NFL. I would call him a top-10 running back, win healthy in the NFL. It's just, what does that get you? I mean, again, we come back to what PFF philosophy is around the running back position and how production at that position, specifically rushing production, is so much more based in offensive line play, opponent box count, and other factors than it actually is running back control. I think with, as good as Josh Jacobs is, it's very limited in what he can have from an impact perspective on wins. It's one of the lower-valued positions in the NFL for that reason. No doubt. Now, we turn to the coach. Austin, John Gruden, of course, the excitement over John Gruden coming back in 2018 was off the charts. He's now going into year four. The Raiders, you've seen improvement. It's been, you know, a game each year the last two years, but they've been unable to make the playoffs. We've seen the late season fades. A lot of people feel disappointed, I think, in John Gruden. And and, and I try to separate it between John Gruden, the coach, what you see on the field, and John Gruden, the personnel, because even though we all love Mike Mayock, we know what a great guy he is, we all know that John Gruden's the final decision maker on the personnel so I try to separate it I think the personnel thing is has not gone very well if you look at thus far the performance you've seen out of players they've committed money to players they've drafted so far and their performance after that as the coach goes I think it's a little more um, uh, equal out what do you think of John Gruden's return if you had to do judge it at this point in time and is this year a big year for him despite the fact that everybody always talks about the 10-year contract yeah, I think John Gruden, the coach, I think you're 100% right to kind of split it out because I do think John Gruden, the coach, has been a B-plus coach in the NFL. And each of the past two years, the Las Vegas Raiders have had top 10 offenses in EPA per play, inefficiency. That, with the, with the offensive line they've had, with the you know, question marks at receiver that they've had, with Derek Carr, who is you know a fringe QB8, QB12 in the NFL, that is evidence that John Gruden is doing something right as a play caller and as a coach. The problem is personnel, and honestly, other decisions he's made. Obviously, he was the one who brought in uh, Gunther. He was the one who made decisions to bring in guys like, you know, um, obviously, Corey Lopes and others in free agency, spending a ton of like, Antonio Brown trade, Demar mm-hmm. Davis Bryant trade, you know, trading away Amari Cooper, trading away Khalil Mack. I mean, there were a lot of decisions in releasing Dave or trading Dave Jackson, releasing Rodney Hudson or trading Rodney Hudson. Like, this is the personnel decisions have been interesting to say the least. Mm-hmm. And you look at what they've done specifically with veterans, whether it have been cutting, trading, or releasing them, or signing them on. I mean, I think they've paid a lot of money to guys like Tyrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner, et cetera. They have not had a lot of success in Raiders uniforms. So I think personnel-wise, it has not been good. And then you go to the draft, where they have arguably their best pick in the Gruden Mayock era with Colton Miller, who is a top 15, I would argue, top 15 offensive tackle in the NFL, a hit in that regard. But since then, They've been, it's been very difficult for them to find high-impact contributors. They've spent high draft capital on low-value positions, running back in Josh Jacobs, box safety in Jonathan Abram. And even when they've spent you know, uh, high draft capital on valuable positions, like cornerback with Trayvon Mullen was a top-50 pick, obviously Damon Arnett, we have not seen elite, you know, high-end starter success from any of those players either. The personnel and even the Gunther hire, I think, would be the big red flag for John Gruden so far in his tenure, whereas – as a coach and as a play caller, he's been, in my opinion, above average and above expectation. 
Yeah, well put. I would agree with that 100%. Now, Austin, we take a 50,000-foot level look at the AFC West, of course, uh, where the Raiders sit. You have the Chiefs, of course, still the class of the division. You have the Chargers, who've made some incredible moves. And, of course, you see uh, the quarterback, Justin Herbert, who had a great year last year, and we'll see if he repeats that this year. And then you have the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, How do you see this division overall and how it's trending when you look at this season and then going out a couple more years? I mean, obviously, it's the two teams that have good young quarterbacks, promising quarterbacks, and it's the two teams that – then it's the Denver Broncos who don't have an answer at quarterback. And then classic, as the record has shown, a Raiders team that is somewhere in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and being in the middle, being in purgatory, is oftentimes the worst situation to be in. Now, <laughs> they had an opportunity. The Raiders had a unique opportunity to get out of purgatory, trading Khalil Mack for multiple first-round picks, trading Amari Cooper for an additional first-round pick, getting out of those salaries – they're offering those contracts, really getting that opportunity to reset, and they've completely swung and missed. So trading Khalil Mack and trading Amari Cooper, you could argue, was good process, given that they avoided those monster contracts. However, the results have not mm. been what has been expected. I think in, in the past, with that added draft capital, with that added reset button that they had with the Mack and Cooper trade, they should have gotten more aggressive at upgrading at quarterback or at least swung and hit on valuable players at valuable positions with those early draft picks, and they just haven't. So I do think that um, the, the Chiefs and the Chargers are in a much better position to own the division for the, the, the near future. And if the Broncos play as poorly as a lot of people project this year, they're going to be in a unique position to move on from Bridgewater and Drew Locke and potentially get an upgrade, get a young upgrade at Clemson quarterback um, in the draft. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and I agree with you on your take there. It's the and I've always said this, right? Which is the worst thing you can be in the NFL is eight and eight or nine and seven, right? Uh, and yeah. and consistently, and that's what we've seen out of the Raiders. At least they were seven and nine and eight and eight, but uh, same same thing basically. Austin, before we let you go, tell everybody uh, about what PFF has going as we roll into the season and where they can find you. Hey, the biggest thing I would say is go to pff.com. I think you know we got a lot of really good content to preview the season. We're going to be previewing the preseason. We're reviewing the preseason probably better than anyone else. We definitely grade every single player on every single play in the preseason, which gives a lot of people opportunities to see who is starting, who is playing well, which rookies are getting opportunities and shining with those opportunities. We didn't have a preseason last year. So PFF.com is definitely maybe the place to be for the preseason. Um, and also follow me on Twitter, PFF underscore Austin Gale, C-A-Y-L-E. Yeah, I also love your guys' fantasy football coverage. For those folks out there who are into fantasy football, PFF has got some great, great stuff there. Austin Gale, Director of Content at PFF. Austin, thanks again, man. We'll catch up with you as we roll into the season. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, welcome back. And again, thank you to our guest, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. We appreciate him being on. Make sure you follow him at PFF underscore Austin Gale. And subscribe to the Two for One Drafts podcast. A great one if you'd like to follow the draft all season long. All right, we've come to the end of our show. I want to thank you guys for being with us. We will be back next week on a big announcement. So don't don't forget as well as I'll be joined by my new co-host Dum dum dum. You'll have to wait to see who that is, but nonetheless, uh, we'll have that for you as well. Make sure you check out Raiders training camp coverage daily up on VegasSportsToday.com. For everybody at Vegas Sports Today and from Silver and Black Today, want to thank you for joining us. Make sure you rate this podcast. That's right. Give us a positive rating. Write some great comments uh, and make sure you share it with everybody and subscribe as well, whether you're doing it in iTunes, whether you're doing it on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, iHeartRadio, it doesn't matter. Make sure you subscribe and 
and give us that positive thumbs up, if you will. Uh, For everybody here, we will thank you again, and we will talk to you next time, Raider Nation, here on Silver and Black Today. This has been the Silver and Black Today podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, may the autumn wind always be at your back.